I'm Becky Lloyd-Pack. And I'm Becky Stanton. And this is the Doing Business Differently podcast. We just finished recording the most wonderful episode with a pod member, uh, Teresa. And I've known her for several years. I think she's an absolute legend. Uh, it was your first time really getting mm. to know her on that deeper level, wasn't it, Becky? She's a firecracker. <laughs> yeah. She really is. And it's in- incredible energy that she brings. Absolutely. And I think really what I loved listening to the most um, within the conversation was hearing really when we talk about doing business differently, I feel like she really is that. She mm-hmm. really is choosing her own path about how she wants to navigate it and what it means to her and the pressure she puts on it and what she doesn't expect from it. I think it's really refreshing. And also the fact that she spent the last year living in hotels. That has been her life decision. And she calls herself a chic nomad, which is just an incredible story to hear. And I always love hearing those fresh perspectives. Mm -hmm. I think there's many things that she says that not many people say. And I think they have incredible meaning for everyone to hear that other perspective, especially if you are a passion-led business owner. And even like, even for me, I feel like that she said certain things that it is changing my perspective going into the new year. So yeah, incredible episode. Well worth a listen and we'll make sure all her details are linked below. So please do go check her out if you enjoy it. Uh, And yeah, enjoy the episode. So we are super excited to welcome the wonderful Teresa to this week's episode of the Doing Business Differently podcast. Now, would you like to introduce yourself, my dear, to all of our listeners and viewers, depending on where they're consuming this? Of course I can. Long story short, I am an SEO copywriter, blogger, recently also a podcaster, And in my free time, I'm a chic nomad, which is like a digital nomad, but with style. I love it. That was (laughs) so efficient. I've never (laughs) heard of that before, a chic nomad. That's inspirational. Yeah, my Instagram followers were very kind to help me with that. Because like, yeah, I couldn't come up with that myself. So they came up with that. All glory to them. (laughs) And I think, to be honest, that word inspirational is one word that I would absolutely apply to you. And I think what I'd love to just talk about on this episode really is kind of about you and how you live and the confidence that you have to really just do what you want because it is so incredible. Like we've known each other for quite a few years now. Yeah. uh, And just your like confidence and conviction in who you are, what your beliefs are is just always so inspiring to me. Like I need like a little, every now and then I'm like, oh, just a little little dose of uh, Teresa's energy in my life is, and I know I'm going to be good. So I would like to start by you telling us about your living scenario, because I think it's just fascinating to listen to. Living scenario. <laughs> so I'm putting uh, it. So like as in how I live right now. Yes. Uh, yeah. So basically I don't live anywhere officially or like on paper. I do have an address, but I moved out of that address like a year ago. And since then, I've just basically been digital nomading, which is I go from one country to the next, one city to the next, and I specifically live in hotels. I do not do hostels. I do not do Airbnbs, really. I love 
convenience and I'm happy to pay for it. So it's hotels for me and pretty upscale hotels usually. <laughs> like if you can afford it, why not? And um, yeah, this past, most of this year I've lived in Tallinn, Estonia in a hotel. So basically my home right now is a hotel. A very nice hotel. I love that. So in terms of like your lifestyle, do you get to know like the people at the hotel? Does it feel like family and friends? I'd love to hear like how it... It does. It does. And like I've got actual friends now who work at the hotel and like we've been out together like partying and like it's just it's really nice to go to the restaurant, for example, because everybody knows me and they're always at least they seem to be happy to see me. So that's like super, super nice that you don't really get in hotels where you just stay for a week. And but like, obviously, there's because I've been here for a long time and there are also other guests here who are staying for long periods of time. Like some people stay for six months, some people for a couple months. So like you get to know them as well. And then drama and shoes. (laughs) because like obviously because like the people who work here people talk there's been a lot of drama this year so it's just I don't know if it's just because it's Estonia and they just love to gossip or if this would be the case somewhere else as well I don't know yeah but you know what the thing I think I love not most about you because I love so much about you but is how unaffected you are by it because I think there'd be some people listening right now, and even if I think myself, I was in a situation where I knew people were probably gossiping and there were stories about it. I, that would feel really uncomfortable to me. And yet I love how much you actually delight in it and how like it doesn't it doesn't seem to affect you. No, because funnily enough, it's like the people who gossip about me, those are the people that I've never seen. I've never met them because they work at the back office. They see me, but I can't see them. And they don't know me at all. And then those people who work at the restaurant or at the reception, like the people that I actually get to talk to, they seem to really like me. They're not the ones gossiping. And then they come and tell me like, oh, yeah, I was at the back today. And like uh, this girl was saying this and this guy was saying this and like, and they're defending me, which is really nice. But like the point is, those are people who don't even know me. So if they have an opinion about me, it bears no weight. That opinion bears no weight at all because they don't even know who I am. And also, I don't know who they are. So I like I don't see any value in their opinion about me because who are you to even have an opinion on me? <laughs> like, it just doesn't make any sense. Of course, it does feel like when you hear about the fact that there are people who just hate you, it doesn't feel nice. But like, but like, it's just, you just have to accept it. Like, okay, it is what it is. Like, they can hate me if they want to. Go ahead. I don't yeah. know who you are, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> I love this energy. I definitely want to talk around your confidence in a bit, but I'm just so curious, like, what led you to be this chic nomad? Like, what prompted this decision? Uh, I, it, like a lot in my life, it was sort of an accident because... Uh, I lived in Estonia for seven years and it was never a place that I particularly enjoyed living in. Uh, But like, there was always some reason why I wouldn't move out. And then one day I was just traveling in Slovakia where I have also lived in 
before and I just woke up one morning and just decided that I'm moving out of Estonia. That's it. I'm moving out. And then maybe four months after, I had packed up my apartment, moved all my stuff to Finland, which is where I'm from <laughs> originally. And I didn't know where I want to go. I just moved out of my apartment, but I didn't know where I'm going to move next. And I was like, okay, I'll just go home for Christmas because that was like a year ago. And in January, I knew that I was going to south of Europe to escape the winter because I hate winter. I hate snow. So I was going to go to Greece, Italy, Slovenia, like travel for a couple months. And I was like, oh, I'll figure it out on the way. I'll figure it out. Like, I'll move somewhere, but I don't know where. I don't need to know now. And now it's been a year. <laughs> and I still don't know where I'm going to move. So it basically was an accident. It's just when I make a decision, that's it. I need to do it. Whatever I decide, it's like, that's going to happen. And yeah, sometimes I don't know where that decision is going to lead. But I'll figure it out at some point. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got two things. One, I want to know what your, um, if there's been like a biggest lesson you've learned from this year of being a chic nomad. But I also think it'd be great for listeners, because I already know your story, about actually how you got to be in that position where you could even go ahead and make that decision. And I know this is really to do with how your business is structured and how you work. But I think it'd be great for you to just share a little bit about how you even arrived into having your own business in the first place and almost were in a position where you could then just be like, do you know what? I'm going to go for it. Because I imagine there's some people that are listening that are almost stuck in maybe a job or a situation where they're like, I couldn't do that because of X, Y, Z. Whereas I know you had things that that made that able to happen. So I'd love to hear, I'd love for you to share a little bit about how you even got to that point. Yeah, so I've been working in every possible industry available out there pretty much. Okay, there's a couple that I haven't tried, but like <laughs> I, I've, all my life I've done like Two years in one job, in one industry. Two years in another industry, another job. And like, that's been my adult life always. And then eventually here in Estonia, I had a job that was like, I was starting to, like, I've always kind of wanted to do my own stuff, my own creative projects, but none of them were bringing in any money. So, and the job that I had, it gave me a lot of free time to work on those own projects. And the salary was really good. And it just came in every month. So I was never going to leave that job myself. I knew that. And I even said that to my colleagues, like, I'm never going to like go because I get to do whatever I like and like I get money for doing not that much. And then they fired me because <laughs> I wasn't doing much work. How funny. And that was one of the biggest favors anyone's ever done for me. Because it, like, it was kind of, I think... I had been able to work on my own projects for long enough that I just developed this sort of mindset that, fuck it, I'm not gonna, I hate working for other people. I have always hated working for other people. I have serious authority problems. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not gonna apply for another job. I calculated that I have enough money uh, to survive for six months, paying rent, like being able to eat, blah, blah, blah. Like back then I still had my apartment. So I had six months and I was like, I'm just going to try this freelancing 
thing. I don't even know what it is, but I'm just going to try Upwork or something. Check if they have something interesting, like little projects I could do. And I found a couple of projects. I found some clients. And then all of a sudden I had like five clients and the work was just flying in. Like in three months, I think I had paid off my student debt, which I didn't have much of. I had like 4,000 euros. So it wasn't that much, but I had like paid it off in like three months. And that's when I was able to start saving money for whatever I want to do in the future. So I just accumulated money into my um, company account. Oh yeah, and then like six months later, I think I was earning too much to be a freelancer because the legislation, tax legislation here in Estonia is that if you if you earn more than 20,000 in a year, then your taxes will go sky high unless you register a company. So even that was an accident. I was never going to be an entrepreneur. That was always like in, in my life, the idea of being an entrepreneur was like, mm-mm, nuh-uh. And then it was just sort of dropped in my lap, like, you're going to have to do this now. You're earning too much. You're going to have to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> so I registered a company and yeah, the work just kept on coming in. And I like, I started getting really greedy as well, which is, which was a new side about me. I didn't know about, <laughs> but I was in charge of the amount of work that I did, which meant that I was also completely in charge of the amount of money that I'm making. So the more I work, the more money I'm making, especially in the winter. Like, I don't want to go outside. What am I going to do? Sit at my laptop and just type away. I worked a lot and it's just the money just accumulated into my company account. And then because like that, I think probably brought me the kind of security that I can make these whirlwind decisions like, hey, I'm just going to move out of my apartment without any plan. <laughs> and yeah, here I am still, no plan. <laughs> but yeah, it's, yeah, so it was definitely money coming in that brought the sort of financial security that I can make crazy decisions without thinking about them that much because the risk is not that high. Yeah. <laughs> It's so beautiful and it's like, this is like surrender embodied, right? Because so much around like manifestation and like spiritual aspects of businesses, you don't need a plan. You don't need to know what's happening in five years. And many of us have like the ego attachment of like, but I need to know. <laughs> I need to know what I'm focusing on. And I feel I like- I had what it you're... for a long time still. Like it, it's a process to get out of that. Yeah. Mm. What did that look like for you? So that, that was like before, I think that was like in my early 20s. In my teenage years and early 20s, I was that person who always had to have a plan. Always. Everything has to be planned. Absolutely everything. But every time I planned something, it just, it didn't go the way I planned. It would, like, I would get what I want, but I didn't get it that way that I wanted it. And that always pissed me off. <laughs> that things didn't go the way I wanted. I got what I wanted, but it I didn't get it the way I wanted it to come to me, whatever it may be. And like, it was just so frustrating. And I just got annoyed with myself feeling like shit all the time and feeling shit about stupid things. Like, you got what you wanted, bitch. <laughs> what are you, like, why are you pissed off? You got what you wanted. So what if it didn't come to you the way you wanted, like you planned it? So what? 
So it's everything I've learned really about myself and like the way I shift my mindset and like all of that, it, it sort of starts from me getting angry at myself or pissed off with myself or just annoyed by myself. And then I'm like, okay, I don't want to feel like this. So what are we going to do about this? I think, you know, that's one of the things I think I love. I'm just, this is like a little love letter to you. I'm always like, I just love this about you though. But I think what I love and the reason like I'm so drawn to you is like your ferocity, like the passion and the like, I get angry. And I think for me, I grew up and, and I think that we can talk about cultures in a second if you want to. But I definitely grew up where it was like, no, no, you, you you have to be nice and polite and gentle. And those kind of like fierce anger emotions that can that can be great catalysts for change. And I think there's so much power stored within them. I essentially didn't know how to access them and still now don't really know how to navigate those emotions because when I do, like there's definitely in me, don't get me wrong. And I can share it behind closed doors. But actually like, oh, how do I step into this like ferocity in myself is something that I'm still navigating. And I think I see you and it's so embodied, like that is who you are. And I I think there's, again, so many of us that can learn from that, that can see you and see how you do it and do it also with like such grace and like, like a wonderful (laughs) energy about it. Not behind closed doors every (laughs) turn. But But I think like, (laughs) I guess what I'm saying though is like, when we think of like the fierce angry woman, a certain image comes to mind, a certain like media fed image of what that is. Whereas actually being part of your world, it's like seeing that it's actually the passion that comes up. And I think that's what I love so much. And do you think, did you always have that? Was that something you were like from a kid? That's exactly how you were? Or is it something that you cultivated? Uh, I've always been a very emotional person. Like, Always, 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 always. And I've never really thought about it. But now that you were saying that, I realized that in our family, basically, like growing up, we were allowed to feel the feels. Like nobody was, like obviously, like every time we would leave the house, they would tell us to behave like human beings. (laughs) What is that? (laughs) But basically that meant like you need to be like patient and quiet and like behave decently, good manners, blah, blah, blah. But like at home, I was sort of not not allowed, but like it was okay to show emotion, whether whether it's you're sad or you're angry or you're disappointed or you're happy or wh- whatever it is. It was never like you can't be like that. It was never like that. So and also I think it's like <laughs> my family, like um, wider family, including aunts and uncles and everybody. Like there were many Christmases when they would ask me like, how did you end up like this? Like, how did you become so like, like loud and talkative and like emotional, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just looking at them like, seriously, (laughs) (laughs) shall I bring you the mirror? (laughs) Cause like my, I call my family mafia because we're really Italian, like personality wise. And there's a lot of different kinds of temperaments and yeah, we're very emotional. all of us I'm definitely the most emotional and I'm probably most comfortable also showing my emotions but yeah it's definitely a family thing family trade (laughs) yeah but it's the conditioning isn't it you were you grew up knowing that it's safe 
to express yeah. yourself that way. Yeah. And we mentioned around like your confidence and your conviction, you know, the fact that you can make decisions. Obviously the surrender and the money and like the opportunities all supported you as well, but you had the confidence to then go for it. Where do you feel that came from? I've always been okay with taking risks and even stupid risks because I just, I've always had that sort of base that I know that if I fall down, I'll, I'll be okay. And it started already like I was 15 when I went to Brighton in England for a language course. On my own, 15-year-old, like, I have children. <laughs> and my mom allowed me to, like, just go alone to a country she's never been to. Like, what the hell? But, and like, I didn't, even then, I didn't find it scary or anything because I knew that if I don't like it, then I can just fly home. Moving to Scotland was like... <laughs> Some people in our family were like, oh, she'll be back in two weeks, which was a big mistake because that was like for me, like, Mm-mm, I'll show you. <laughs> I'm still out here. <laughs> like over, what, 15 years after that, I'm still out here. And like, even then it was just like wherever I've gone to or whatever crazy risky decisions I've taken, I know that if it goes to shit, I'll be okay. Yeah. And that's probably like the family base. Like that's the baseline of the security net sort of. Like whatever happens, I can just go home. Yeah. And I find there is this beautiful connection with being able to surrender, right? Not needing a plan, handing over control of like where you're being guided and having that security. And it always reminds me that I, I've got a little bit of the, I probably haven't got the full Teresa <laughs> confidence and conviction. That's not my foundation, my history, but I've got a lot of it. And I remember I went on um, a solo trip to Italy for three weeks and I had no plan. I just had a flight in and out of Rome and I was just going to see where my intuition took me. And I would arrive, I remember arriving in Florence and I had nowhere to stay and everyone thought I was crazy. They're like, how have you not booked anywhere? I was like, well, I know I'll be safe. Worst case scenario, I'll go to a hotel. There's going to be a room, right? I'm so safe. And that allowed me to follow intuition and surrender. So there's definitely that connection, isn't it? This base confidence 100%. that you are safe. No matter what happens, you are safe. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Like somebody who doesn't, for example, come from a safe and secure family, I don't think they would ever even consider taking the risks in life that I have taken because they have so much more to worry about in their lives probably. But I like, yeah. I was going to say, I think one thing I would add to it though is absolutely that that foundational thing of family safety, 100%, really important, really, really supportive. But I would also argue you have shown yourself consistently that not only are you safe with your family, you're safe with yourself. You know how to make money. You are resilient. You can put yourself in these situations. You have accumulated over time the evidence that not only are you safe because your family's there, but you're safe because of who you are and the skills you have. And that's where I almost think there probably are people that have not got that family safety net that can also have that same level of confidence in themselves. Like they can be the ones that are like, I know I've got me. I know that actually if I went to shit, I will be able to work this out. I trust my own like resilience in this sense because that's one of the things I imagine 
if somebody was to sit like from a place of I've never shown myself really that I can trust in myself then the idea of like god going to like a even a solo trip in Italy feels really big and scary but actually we can build up we can actively build up that resilience by baby stepping our way to these like big things so it's almost like building up that bank of self-confidence and self-belief that allows you to take these risky decisions even if you don't necessarily have the full safety net and I think that's something that again knowing you for for a period of time like I know this year there was a situation where you know one of your biggest, biggest clients went goodbye and you had to kind of adjust and adapt and I know at the time it was really tough for you but once again there was never really any doubt about your resilience within it and your ability to adapt to that situation so I think there's something to be said here also like yes family is so important yes it can be really helpful but also recognition that you also have skills that can actually enable you to adapt to these scenarios so I just wanted to put that yeah, out yeah, there yeah. as an observation too I like that's the thing like the family is sort of like the starting block and that yeah. enabled me to start making taking risks and making those big decisions of like living a different kind of life than everybody else and then the more you do it the more risks you take the more weird decisions you make like you grow with every single step that you take and that's why I have no doubt that I'll be okay because my life has proven it to me so many times so many times everything will literally always be okay in the end always like like I can the pinpoint the parts of my life when it's like yeah that was that was the moment when I realized that yeah okay I had to go through that shit show because of this so many times and it's like it's just the knowledge that that like whatever happens there's a point to it and I will be okay and I think that's a beautiful reflection isn't it that the, the foundation that we were speaking about from the childhood is like what is conditioning you. Not everyone has that. I wouldn't, it sounds like you had a really strong foundation, you know, to express yourself, you know, but also like teaching you how to like conduct yourself like outside the house, but this beautiful balance. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, there's nuances within there. I don't think as a coach, I've ever heard of a perfect childhood, <laughs> right? We all have our things that are here to challenge us and to grow. But I feel all that conditioning is just strengthening our sense of self. And that's what Becky's saying, right? Yeah. And you can still build that sense of self through your life, through your own challenges as you grow. And I'm really curious, like from here where you're at, like, and I'm about to say, what's your plan? But we know you don't have a plan. Like where (laughs) do you see yourself? Like what direction are you heading? Like what are you really excited about? I'm really excited about going to Italy in January. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Actually, no, I'm excited about New Year's because I <laughs> I bought a dress that is like so out there that I can't wear it anywhere. So I have to organize a New Year's party <laughs> so I can wear the dress. So I'm really excited <laughs> about that because it's going to be a good party and I get to wear my dress. Can I just say that, 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 just, <laughs> that just summarizes Teresa, right? I've got something to wear, so I've got to create the situation in order for that dress <laughs> to, to come out. That's beautiful. And like, this, is, this is like, yeah, this is not the first time that this has happened. <laughs> like, I buy stuff and I'm like, mm, I don't, I where, where am I wearing this? Mm, I don't know. I'll figure something out. And then I do. 
So, yeah. And I also, I also love that your response to the question was actually, you know, again, not looking too far ahead. You know, what I'm most excited about is me just expressing myself in my clothes, having fun. <laughs> this beautiful yeah, like, I, I do have, yeah, sort of. I mean, you, well, you don't have to have a plan, but I do have like short term plans. So I know where I'm going to be until May. So I'm going to be in Italy. And then from May onwards, I mean, I'll probably be in Finland anyway for summer because summers are great in Finland. Just so you know. <laughs> so, yeah. In a way, my next year is planned till autumn. But nothing is set in stone and whatever comes by is like, I'm just gone yeah. through. <laughs> And is that your physical it. whereabouts that almost you've got the idea? But in terms of like business, like what what are you available for? What are you heading towards? Yeah, so like my business is basically just like a money-making machine for me. Like it's not really, I'm not marketing what I do. I'm not selling what I do at all. It's just like in the background, the thing that makes me money and what I'm, actually passionate about is life living life and living the kind of life that I can wake up to every morning and be like oh I love my life <laughs> so business wise I don't have I don't have any plans I I want to see some sort of a shift next year like copywriting sure I can do that till I die I'm happy to do that because I, I actually love it. it I've always loved writing but there could be other creative projects that come in that would bring in money as well. I would not say, I don't, I don't know what that would be, but like, but this is like, I don't plan. I'm just, I'm ready to see what's out there and yeah, get inspired and see what opportunities come my way. If they do, of course they do. <laughs> yeah. And I think that again, like why I'm so thrilled that we have you here on the podcast is that I think it's such a refreshing and separate perspective that we don't often really hear because most of the people that are really vocal about business that we hear on podcasts and, you know, myself as well to a certain extent is like, this is my passion. It's my life purpose. I want to do this and everything. And actually there's something to be said for actually just having your business as separate from yourself as an entity that is there to earn you money. And that's okay. You don't need to feel like weird about it. And it's something that I've, I've really been trying to um, lean into more this year is that separation of like my business can be a separate entity that does this and I can go live out my passions elsewhere and I can go and do what I want to do and it doesn't have to like not every aspect of my life needs to be monetized and I think it's almost for me that's the curse for strategic brain because I can always see how it can be monetized so I'm like oh I could do this oh I could do this and often I'm like no Becky just stop you can just enjoy it and let it be so again I'm really pleased to have you on for that reason also something I want to throw in the mix is I know like sustainable fashion has been a big part of what you talk about a big part of what you kind of enjoy um spotlighting as well and for me this points to like some of your self-confidence and this is just me making assumptions or whatever but I imagine it can be helped by the fact that you are somebody that lives in so alignment with your values like you are you very much know who you are you know what you stand for you act and show up in a way that reaffirms that and that puts, you know, you put your passions like literally front and center of how you live your life and you put your values front and center. And that's something that I think is almost like 
one of the things that people don't really talk about is like a confidence building exercise, but oh my God, it is. Because when you know you're living a life that is like, no, this is representative of what I believe in and who I am, that gives you the sense of like real, real confidence. Because it's like someone can question me and I have the answer about why I'm doing it. It's thought out. I'm not just living on, like, I'm not living by accident. It's very much there's, there's that foundation is there. So again, I think it's something that is so wonderful to witness from you and that we can all learn from you is about passionately really just embracing your values. Yeah, that came a long bloody time ago. I made a promise to myself already when I was like a really young child. I think it was in primary school, we talked about what are the biggest regrets that people have when they die, like old people when they're like in their deathbed. What are the biggest regrets? And they all said the same things like, I worked too much. I wish I hadn't worked so much. And like, I wish I had worked to live, not lived to work. And that was something that just got stuck in my head. And I was like, yeah, that's, I will not do that. I am not going to do that. And I have been very true to that all my life, even though I've done all sorts of jobs, it's always just been a job. It's just a way for me to make money so that, I, so that I can live the kind of life that I like. Whether it's about buying clothes or traveling or eating in restaurants or whatever. As long as I have the money, I'm happy because I get to live the way I want to live. The work is just, it's just an, in, like an enabler, I guess. Mm -hmm. Another promise I made to myself was my sort of, yeah, it was my first diary entry ever so I was like four years old and I wrote into my diary with the letter size of the size of a cat that I do not want to live the kind of life that my parents live which is waking up in the morning going to work coming home watching tv going to sleep waking up in the morning going to work coming home watching tv going to sleep like already at four years old I was like I don't want that <laughs> and I have kept that promise to myself Definitely, all my life. Because here we are, very unconventional life. <laughs> Extremely. I think what's so beautiful is that what a blessing to be so young and to have those incredible messages. But also, it can be frustrating though as well because like when you're like a teenager and you're like, mm -hmm. I, I am sort of living that way now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm destined for more. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need to travel. <laughs> but I feel like that can happen like now for people. And I feel even... For me as well, there's definitely something about authenticity and my business started because I had um, around my, my 30th birthday, it was like, I'd fallen into that pattern, right? Work really hard, come home and just be a vegetable, like spread out on the sofa of like, I don't know what to do, right? I'm just so exhausted from work that one day it was like, something's got to change. So when I got to my 30s, it was really analyzing everything it was almost that same situation that you had when you were four of these messages of like what do I really want and it was around authenticity right who am I I'd forgotten or lost track of who I really are and what you're emanating to us is that you're firm in who you are and what you stand for and what you're into and what life you're available for and I feel many of us are leaning and deepening into that and quite interesting around the business I think that really spoke to me around you know that it's you live to no you work to live so even there I'm like you live to work <laughs> you work to <laughs> no, live definitely don't. <laughs> you work to live because I feel what I did with my freak out and my big pivot was what am I into let's create a business around all of my passions 
So for me, what I've been leaning into, especially this year is what's life outside of my passion? Because my business became everything that I'm into and who I am. And it was so attached that now it's this kind of separation, this kind of, okay, well, I can, who is Becky outside? Before it was like, who is Becky? What does she want? Okay, I'm on my way for that. And now who's Becky when she doesn't work? Right? Yeah, and I think that's, and I think you... that's like a lot of people are like sort of struggling with that. Because it seems like a lot of people put like work comes first. Work is like, because I guess it's also because that's what brings in the money. And especially in this economy and everything, everybody's panicking about like, oh, where do I get money? So like work becomes like the most important thing. But like in the long run, if, and especially if you work for other people, you don't work for yourself necessarily. If that becomes your number one priority in life, you're going to be so fucking miserable. And I see so many people out there who are so miserable because they put work ahead of everything else. And no matter if, if they're, if they have their own business or if they work for other people, it's, it's basically the same end result. I think what I see as a, as a coach as well, that that experience you had where you saw your parents working really hard and then just having to like, you know, be the vegetable and watch TV, it goes two ways. I see it in coaching. It's either I don't want that for myself or this is life. Right. And you had the other option of, you know what, I'm not available for that. Whereas I actually, my parents did the same. And I just, when I was coming up to 30, I was like, I've become my dad. I've literally had the same pattern, exactly the same in terms of like London, the commute, long hours, you know, party hard because you're working hard, drinking a lot, the whole lifestyle. I just was like, I've become my dad. You know, so I think it's really interesting that, you know, both can happen even with the same kind of situation yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah and i think like one of the as i was listening to that then i think there's you know me i love to love to extract a lesson but i think actually from it i think a really interesting kind of insight is when most of us set up businesses again we're setting it we, we do it because we're like we want to follow our passion we want to do these things and then the whole like nuance of, okay, but it's also got to make money comes in. And then all this pressure starts to build where it feels like there's this sudden expectation of like, okay, I've quit my job. I've started a business and all this. It now has to tick every single box for me. And actually what that can do is almost, I personally believe, prevent us from making money because we are so committed that it must fulfill our deepest desires that we almost box ourselves in because where I'm kind of coming from here is that with you with copywriting yeah you love it you're good at it it's a high value skill there's always going to be people that want copywritten there's always going to be requirement for that whereas somebody else (laughs) I feel like I'm talking about myself in third person here (laughs) but somebody else could be like oh I have this high value skill but it's not my life purpose, but it's not my passion. And so we almost reject it and seek out something that feels whole, whole satisfyingly good on every cellular being. And so it's like, no, I will only take money for this one narrow thing and reject the fact that actually I have something that could make me money. And if I let that be its own thing, that's okay. And I can also still go do these other things. So I guess there's almost like, again, I don't mean this to call anybody out individually except myself. <laughs> this this appreciation of the fact that we can do things that we're good at, that we know people will pay for, 
and that's fine for that to be your business and you can seek the fulfillment of your life's purpose outside of that if there's not a marriage of it. We all live in the same period of time where as a culture certain things are valued and other things aren't yet. And so there may be some of us that are way ahead of our time in the things that we want to make money from. But actually, if you are in that scenario of, okay, but I do need to pay my bills, there's almost like a, an honoring of what is valued right now, what can bring us in that financial security. And I feel like it, it's funny because one part of my head or my soul or whatever is like, no, just chase your passion. But I think that does sometimes ignore the reality of the world that we live in. And that can create pressure. So I think there's just nuance here for people to maybe examine that it's great to have a passion. It's great to do things that fulfill you. But putting the pressure on that to be the thing that also pays your bills can be a recipe for disaster depending on what that passion is. Yeah, 100%. And like that's something I've thought about a lot because like I have my blog, which is my, I call it my happiness project because every time I create something in it, it just makes me happy. I just love creating like because it's writing it's photography it's working on my website and it's like a package of everything that I just love to do and but I've been wondering like okay but what if it comes what if that becomes my job would I still enjoy it that much if it's like you have to make this many posts per week you have to take this many photos you have to write about this specific thing would I still enjoy it because right now it's just I do what I feel like doing. Like I get an idea and I just go with it. But if it's like there's a strategy, if there's a strategy for it, would I enjoy it? I don't know. Yeah. Or social media because like I've yeah about like with the sustainable fashion stuff. I did social media a lot around that subject or topic for a couple of years, and it just drained me. Like still really passionate about that topic but I just can't be bothered to make any fucking Canva graphics about sustainable fashion ever again oh <laughs> so, like that's sort of my worry like what if what if like all those creative projects that I have on the side of my paid work what if those become a profession would I start hating not hating them but like would I enjoy them anymore I don't know but it's a little bit of a fear. I feel like in your season of surrender, I don't know if you've ever read Michael Singer's The Surrender Experiment, but what he describes it as is that if you are meant to monetize it, like if it's meant to be your business, it will be. Exactly. You know, so actually it's just a exactly. fear of you're loving it. But if it's divine timing and divine order that that actually becomes the focus of your business, it'll be the right time. And you'll yeah. love it and you'll have all the lessons up until that point of how to how to run it that way. So it's almost like just enjoy it for now. And if it's meant to monetize, it will. Exactly. And like this uh, this year's August when my sort of business structure, so to say, changed a lot. Uh, I didn't like because I was like the whole time I was like, there's a point to this. There is a point to this. Like this isn't happening just because like it, it's not a coincidence like there's there's a point to this and I will figure it out one day it might be next year it might be in five years but there is some sort of a point to this and since then the idea has just started forming in my head that maybe 
there is going to be a shift towards those creative projects because if, okay, I'm saying this myself, but I'm going to say it. My blog is fucking amazing. <laughs> and the podcast is bloody brilliant. <laughs> Which was, by the way, Becky's idea. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I can take decent photographs and like, the only thing I don't understand is why hasn't any of that gone viral? Because it's such good bloody quality. All of it. But probably because it's not the time yet. That's ego, right? That's ego. Yeah, that, yeah ego is something I've been working with this year a lot. Yeah, we, all, oh. we all have it, right? But the whole viral thing, it's because, you know, you want... There probably is a bit of passion to be shared, but it's also like, why hasn't everyone seen it yet? It's almost this like rushing. So yeah, it's just surrendering and that. It will yeah. be. Yeah. It, yeah. Maybe it will be. Maybe it won't. We'll see. <laughs> it just it just made me think of people, um, you know, some of like the amazing uh, artists like Van Gogh and stuff that his work wasn't appreciated until uh, after he had died. Like after I almost imagine him like stood there painting, doing them like, why isn't it? Honestly, yeah. guys, have you seen how the awesome. painting is? <laughs> and then it was later, it was like it found the right time and it was appreciated. And again, I'm, I'm not yeah, sure. I, like, I would lesson. like to like see people appreciating it. So. And, yeah. <laughs> Can you like do it now? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. It's that idea of um, <laughs> we know when we know it's good. Because I would say I have the same thing about like a lot of my work. I think about that with this podcast. I'm like, Geez, the conversations we have on here are freaking incredible. Like, why yeah. is the whole world not tuning in and listening? But there's that. I think that's always the balance, isn't it? Of like, how can I enjoy it, appreciate yeah. it for what it is, and also surrender and trust that it will find its right audience? Mm. And sure, there might be things that naturally we can do to promote it, to put it in front of the right people. Um, but also trusting that there's part of it that will always be outside of my control. You can be as strategic as possible. And still, there's always that element of like, you know, a pandemic could come along. All sorts can happen in the world that, that derail yeah. our best laid plans. So I think that like... And I also mean, like that's trying almost... to force it yourself when this is not the time yet, but you don't know that, obviously. So you're just like trying to push it out there by force. That's not going to help. Yeah. And I feel like that's a beautiful metaphor for everything that we've even talked about or a beautiful summary for everything we've even talked about in this episode that that balance between having that clear intention, the clear will, the confidence that when the right time does arrive, you are ready to follow it. But also the trust of like, I'm going to do this and what happens as a result, whatever. Like we'll figure that out as we go along. We'll meet that challenge. We'll meet that win. We'll meet that situation when it comes to me. But actually we can just kind of go with it to a certain extent if we've cultivated enough confidence and self-trust within to be able to take the uh, make the most of those opportunities so 100%. i feel like it's perfect yeah and earlier i said i've got a question for you and then we completely skip past it so i'm going to ask it now because i've not forgotten what do you think your biggest lesson Teresa, from living in hotels for a year like living this sort of lifestyle do you feel like there's there's one thing that you've learned or one kind of insight or or anything that you'd be like do you know what it has taught me this is there anything that comes to mind yeah, but one of the biggest ones was probably in the springtime when I was in Copenhagen. And so I had been traveling solo for like six-ish months. I'd been home at some point in the middle of it. But like basically being just solo traveling for six-ish months. And like the longer I was traveling on my own, the, like I never feel lonely, thankfully. 
because I'm I have friends I have family even if they're not right here I still have them so I don't feel lonely but I just felt like I I'm starting to hate solo traveling like you just have those bad days and I and then I moved to the hotel and I've just realized like I really need to have people around I really enjoy like I love the fact that I have my own bedroom <laughs> where I can just lock myself when I want to be on my own because I am a Finn and I do have those days when I just I don't want to talk to anyone I don't want to see anyone I just want to TikTok for the whole day <laughs> but then most of the time I just I want to have people around all the time and I don't even need to talk to them I can sit in my own table and there's just strangers around but I just love the fact that they're there like that's something that I have learned and that's actually something that scares me a little bit because I am in Florence where I'm gonna be for three months in the spring I am going to live in an apartment on my own and that's a little bit like ooh, we'll see how that's gonna be like how quickly do I move to a hotel from there <laughs> so I'm sort of testing myself as well like is it do I, do I have to spend the rest of my life in hotels surrounded by people or am I going to be okay living in an apartment? Or maybe it's just, I mean, it could be just a, like a, a life partner. That's enough. Just so that I don't necessarily want to be alone anymore. Like, yeah, that's something I didn't know about myself. I always thought that I'm totally comfortable, like doing everything on my own, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're allowed to adapt and change though, aren't we as humans? Yeah. And again, it's also, I think within that for you, it's defining what does alone actually mean and what does not being alone actually mean. So it's, yeah. it's not just like, I'm, maybe I can live on my own, but that if that's the case, it means I also have to have these other things in my life that mean that I don't struggle with the emotions of it. So it might be that I have friends come to stay every weekend or I do X, Y, Z. So yeah. And like the thing, I think the main issue with it is, or has been for me that like, especially when traveling solo, you don't, you can't share it with anyone. And that was sort of the thing that really bothered me some days, like, because every evening when I go out to eat, I dress up nice because I like to wear nice clothes and I have nice clothes, so I wouldn't wear them. And I'm going for dinner on my own, looking really good. And some evenings it just pissed me off that I've got nobody there to appreciate it. <laughs> so that that was, it sort of started from that. Like I started getting pissed off at the fact that I've made myself look pretty and there's nobody to appreciate it. And then it moved on to like, I really love just having people around and I love sharing my life basically with people. That's probably the biggest lesson this year. Like I just, I really love sharing my life with people and I think that's why I'm so active on Instagram as well like Instagram was a big help when I was traveling solo and on those days when I was like fuck everything so I would just post on Instagram like I'm not feeling so great today and like my DMs were just full and like that's why I never felt lonely because there's just conversations going on all the time that was loved it power of community right actually reminding you that you're not alone like yeah yeah the physical yep. thing but actually emotionally you have a lot of people that that care about you yeah um, yeah yeah and that's obviously why we love having you inside the pod as well because you return that to <laughs> our community and we all get to be inspired by you on a regular basis 
So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Teresa. It's been thank such you for a having me. joy to chat to you and hear all about your magnificent life. Uh, <laughs> and I highly recommend that people go follow you, get in your energy. Just, yeah, I think it's so inspirational. I think it's like, it's what a lot of us need to see how it can be embodied because it's just yeah it's inspirational on a different level because it's not just somebody preaching like you should do this you're actually living it which is just incredible that's Um, really nice to hear actually because like living in finland working in finland as a teenager like i have been told a couple times like could you smile less could you smile less so to hear that there are people out there who like it i'm very happy i love it (laughs) i love it you're such a joy to follow Um, so i highly recommend people do um what's your instagram handle my dear uh the underscore Teresa maria Teresa maria we'll we'll link it um we'll link it in the show notes and stuff as well below and it'll be tagged on our socials when we share it in all the places um but just for those listening so you also know but yeah, such a pleasure to have you with us. And um, I look forward to in several years looking at what all of these lessons have taught you. Because even as you were talking, I was like, oh, imagine Teresa organizing like a whole, um, you know, ability for people to go travel and be with her and they get to share it together. Because That's what I was have... thinking, a chic <laughs> nomad hotel, right? Yeah. Don't work that I know. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah, totally. Something big is coming. I don't know yet what it is, but something big is definitely coming from me at some point. We'll see when. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm like. I'm so excited to see what the future holds for you because it's just, yeah, such a pleasure. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you, my love. It's been amazing. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. And if you're listening to this over on our Substack, we'd love for you to join the conversation and let us know your thoughts too. Likewise, if you actively want to explore what doing business differently looks like for you, then do be sure to check out the pod, which is our private community where we share a bunch of resources every month for you to play with as you define your way of doing things. Inside the pod, there's also a ton of live sessions held every month too. To check it out, just head to the show notes below where everything is linked for you to explore further. Thanks so much for listening. Speak soon. Lots of love.